Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Last Sunday, I shared a message from Psalms 34.8, and uh, I want to kind of move forward with that message today, different, but it kind of goes along that same theme. And it's found in Psalms 348, and it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. When Jesus called his disciples, he told them, Come and see, come and follow me. And the idea is that we need to experience Jesus for ourselves. Amen? We need to experience who Jesus is in our life. So, Psalms 348, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And we need to experience Jesus for ourselves. We can't just expect that we're going to ride on the coattails of parents or the coattails of grandparents. But we need to experience Jesus for ourselves. And, and this whole idea, we can't, we, we, can't we can't expect to discover it through someone else. Someone can point us to Jesus. But at some point in our walk with Christ, we've got to actually have our own experience Today, I want to share what Jesus offers those who choose to follow him. And the title of today's message is A Generous Savior. And I want to focus on the book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah was written 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And there are two main themes in the book of Isaiah that I'll just kind of share briefly as we walk through these. We're going to actually look at three different chapters, just a small section of each chapter. But there's two main themes in the book of Isaiah. The first one is the calling of the nation of Israel back to God. Both the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. Both the, both the kingdom of Judah and both the kingdom of, of Israel. God is calling them back to him. And then the second theme is declaring the coming Messiah, Jesus. The book of Isaiah is filled with amazing prophecies about Jesus' life, about his death, about his resurrection. On this Easter Sunday, I want to look at the generosity of our Savior Jesus through the eyes of the prophet Isaiah. And uh, we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 53. If you have your Bibles here today, I encourage you to open those up. If you're watching us online, I encourage you to do so. If you, it's on your device, feel free to use your iPhone or whatever you might be. We're going to look at Isaiah 53, 54, and 55. Pastor Tom, how long are we going to be here? Not that long. Just trust me on it. And this is the prophecy of Jesus. Let me read it to you today, starting at, at verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, for our sins. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I want to just say a prayer right now as we move into this message today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We ask, Lord God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, your word will touch our lives, that it will penetrate our hearts and our minds. And Lord, that today, once again, as I pray, Lord God, each and every day of my life, that, Lord God, I will be impacted by your power, by your grace, by your love, 
And that, God, I will continue to be changed, Lord God, each and every day to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah gives us some amazing details of a generous sacrifice. This is the primary purpose of Jesus' incarnation. The primary reason that Jesus took upon flesh on his own body was so that he could come from heaven to earth to become the sacrifice for each and every one of us, to become the sacrifice for our sins. It was not an easy purchase. The price that Jesus paid for our sins was costly. Isaiah speaks to how Jesus was both rejected and how he was despised by the people that he even came to save. He was despised by the people that he actually came to earth to impact their lives. How Jesus' punishment had nothing to do with, his, with any of his sins he's committed. Because guess what? Jesus never committed any sins. Jesus was absolutely perfect. So he didn't die on that cross for his sins. He died on that cross for your sins and my sins. Jesus literally assumed the responsibility for the sins of the world. Can you imagine that? And it wasn't just the sins of the world for his time. It was the sins of the world from the, for the, from the past to the present to all the future. Jesus took on that responsibility for you and for me. Why? Because he loves us. He absolutely adores you. And if you've walked in today and you're thinking that, man, life is... You know, I, I just, no one loves me, everybody hates me, I'm going to go eat some worms kind of idea. You know, have you ever been in that mode, okay? Well, let me tell you something that is true. Jesus loves you today. It's an amazing story of God's redemption of mankind. The generosity of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us should really compel us towards repentance, towards following after him. Can you imagine if for whatever reason, all of a sudden you were sentenced to life in prison, or maybe worse yet, you were actually sentenced to death row, that one day you would have to face execution for the wrongs that you committed, and then all of a sudden someone decided to step in and said, no, 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 I'm going to take your place. You're not going to have to pay that penalty. Wouldn't you be forever eternally grateful for that person? Wouldn't you? That's what Jesus did for each and every one of us. He stepped in when we had no hope. He gave us hope in Jesus' name. The Apostle Paul states it this way in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. He says, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. When his hands were nailed to the cross, when his feet were nailed to the cross, his body was there and he was carrying the weight of the sins of the world. And guess what? At that moment... Guess what? The sins of the world no longer have any power over us if we're willing to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus paid a debt that was impossible for each or for any of us to ever pay. And the cross represents the debt that is paid, paid in full. Isaiah also refers to a generous covenant. You can see this in chapter 54 of Isaiah. If you want to turn there, you're welcome to. We're going to read verses 4 and 5 in just a minute. But in that chapter, we see the blessings that come to those who put their faith in God. Did you know there's blessings when you follow after God? Isaiah is primarily referencing Israel's future release from the captivity in Babylon. So that's what he's primarily referencing when he's speaking in, there in the book of Isaiah. But we know because Isaiah is is continually quoted in the New Testament, we know that 
that the book of Isaiah is also a reflection of the coming Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's very easy for us to take that whole promise and apply it to the church as a whole. As God is promising Israel, they will no longer have to live in shame. It also reflects a beautiful gift of salvation that each and every one of us can step into. Through Jesus, our dilemma with the punishment of sin is no more. It is no more. It is done. It is completed. We no longer need to live under the condemnation of guilt and shame because of sin. We can receive God's forgiveness through faith in Jesus and start living a new life. You're a new creation. The old is dead and gone. Man, I go back into my my childhood. I go back in my youth days. I go back to thinking of some of the stupid things I did when I was young. Not that I still don't do stupid things. But you know what I'm talking about. When we're younger, we have a tendency not to think. We just do certain things. And that's not disparaging on anybody that is youthful here. We love our youth. We love our young adults. You guys carry the weight of the church in so many different ways. But I remember me personally some of the things that I've said, some of the things that I did. And i got to just tell you, I am so grateful that those will never be held against me because of Jesus. That those are canceled. And today, if you're here and you're thinking, man, I have so much pastor talk. You don't, I don't want to hear about it. Tell it to Jesus. Because guess what? He's going to cancel it completely, 100%, if you put your faith in him. Listen to what Isaiah 54 says in verses... Um, Four and five. It says, Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will, for, for you will forget the shame of your youth, and the reproach of your widow, widowhood you will remember no more. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. The, only, the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. Throughout the New Testament, the church is referred constantly to as the bride of Christ. Jesus is our groom. And when I, when I think about who Jesus is, it's kind of like I'm, I'm going to be doing a wedding here at the end of the month that I'm really excited about. And I, I've seen what happens in a wedding when the bride fr first comes out in her wedding dress and the groom gets to turn and see her for the first time in her wedding dress. And there's something special about that moment. We as a church, as the people of God, we are literally the bride of Christ and he is our groom. And he loves us the same way and even more than we could ever imagine. As what we looked the very first time at as our bride when we walked down that aisle. He loves you for eternity. It's a beautiful picture. Then in verse 10 we see Isaiah prophesy a covenant of blessing, a covenant of peace. God gave hope to Israel that no matter the circumstances they might face, God's promise of peace will continue to be established. Listen to this verse, Isaiah 54.10. For the mountains may depart and the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. That's a promise for some of us, and we need to take that today. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Covenant of peace. That, that Hebrew word, is shalom and translated correctly it means peace but in the Hebrew it means much more than just peace 
it really refers to completeness. The covenant that Jesus gives us is a covenant that completes us. Have you ever thought about that? When, G, when, we take, when we ask Jesus to come into our life, when we choose to follow Jesus, there's something that takes place in our heart in our life that completes us. Because all of a sudden that thing that was missing, guess what? Jesus fills that void. It's a covenant of salvation through our faith in Jesus. In Scripture, Jesus is referred to as what? The Prince of Peace. In fact, Isaiah prophesies this truth in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. In fact, we hear this truth many times during Christmas time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Listen to this truth. For us, for, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. In Jesus, we can find peace in any circumstances of life. Because on the cross, Jesus established this new covenant. It was a new covenant of peace. And really what the covenant was all about was making peace between us and our heavenly father. Jesus, guess what? He's the one that provided that peace on the cross through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So, through these scriptures, we see a generous sacrifice. We see a generous covenant. And as we move into Isaiah 55 we see a generous invitation. Let me read the first three verses of chapter 55, and this is our last text for the day. And it says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. In this passage of scripture, it's one of the most powerful invitations that you can ever read and it's really a reflection of what Jesus is coming as our savior this is the invitation for each and every one of us prophesied 700 years before the birth of Christ but notice that the invitation is all inclusive it's an invitation for all people no one needs to be left out verse 1 makes it clear for those who are thirsty come and drink for those with no money, hey, no worries. If you don't have any money, don't worry about it. Come on, just come. come. See, the gift of salvation is free. There is no price that you can pay. In fact, guess what? You can't even afford the gift of salvation. There is no money in the world that could ever buy you that gift of salvation. It is free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed that free, F-R-E-E, spell it with me, F-R-E-E. E-E levels the playing field. All of a sudden, everything is equal. See, the only price that you need to pay is your willingness to surrender. You must be willing to listen and obey the voice of the Lord. As we enter into verse 2 of Isaiah 55, that, which I just read, the invitation is a challenge for those who are self-sufficient. Those who think they have life figured out. It's that part where it says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which is not, that's not satisfied? Listen to me, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. 
in verse 2, it really, it really talks about the, those who are self-sufficient. And there's many of us in, that, in this place that are in this area of self-sufficiency. Those who think that we figured out life, and I have to remind myself on a constant basis, you know what, I don't have it all together. It's Jesus who has my life. But the Lord states that the, the money you spend on food will give you no strength. Why keep heading down a road that continues to bring emptiness? The idea that is being stated in that scripture is that people are searching for happiness. How many want to be happy in this room? Come on, I do. Come on, don't, don't, don't preach my message again. You keep on preaching my message, I know. <laughs> we all want to be happy. We all want to be filled with joy. But many times what happens is we try to find happiness in things. In the things that we can purchase and things that we can do, we try to find it in there. But guess what? And some of you are older, you know what I'm talking about. Those things will never really bring true fulfillment that lasts for eternity. Those things would disappear. Those things go by. You know, and it just, it just doesn't. I love a good steak. We talked about that, what was the last week or the week before? There is something. And you know, when I have a good steak, man, it can make me forget about all the troubles of the world. For some of you, you would, you'd like to go out and drink and get smashed, get wasted. Because you want to forget about the troubles of the world. But what happens? When you wake up the next morning, what happens? The troubles are still there along with a hangover, right? It did, you can't escape that. The only way that we can truly find the blessings that we're searching for, the fulfillment that we need in our lives, happens through Jesus Christ. This is the thought that the prophet Isaiah is sharing. You won't find lasting fulfillment within this world. And it, with that in your mind, let me read the second half of that verse again, of verse 2. It says, listen to me. This is what the Lord says. Listen to me. And you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. He's talking about something different than the food that we're thinking about. Something that's eternal. Something everlasting. Isaiah is speaking to a generous abundance. In the New Testament, Jesus often associated God's blessings to food and drink. In John 4, many of you know the story of the woman at the well. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. And Jesus tells the woman at the well, those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And, and she says, how do I get this water? How do I? And it's the first time in the scripture where he reveals to her, I am the savior of the world. I am the Messiah. In John chapter 6, after Jesus feeds the 5,000, the people continued to follow him the next morning. And then Jesus tells the people, he says, you want to be with me because I fed you. I, I had a bunch of kids that way. They always wanted to be with me because I fed them. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. And then Jesus states this in verse 35. John 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never thirst again. You see, bread and Food and drink is always seen as a blessing of abundance throughout the Bible. And notice again in this scripture, the invitation is for all, whoever comes, whoever comes. And the sustenance that Jesus provides can never be equaled. What Jesus offers goes beyond anything that we could ever buy. We can't do it. As you look back at verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 55, 
We read it just a few minutes ago. It talked about the water, the wine, and the milk. In Scripture, water is used to signify abundance, an abundant blessing from God. This is what Jesus told the woman at the well. Those who drink of this water will never be thirsty again. It's, a, it's an abundance. The reference to wine frequently indicates a feast, a celebration, something that is spectacular. The very first miracle that Jesus ever performed in the New Testament, which what? Was the miracle at the wedding of Cana, where Jesus turned water into wine. It was a festivity. It was a celebration. And they were running out of wine, and people were in panic because it was a celebration. And wine represents a celebration. Jesus said, don't worry. His mom came and twisted his ear a little bit. I don't know if she could actually twist Jesus, but she came, pleaded with Jesus, this is your time. And at that moment, Jesus turned water into wine. Can there be any greater celebration than to be invited to attend the celebration of salvation, the Lord's salvation? Come and drink. Come and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And milk. Milk was always a sign of blessing in the Bible. When they were going into the promised land, the promised land was filled with milk and honey. It was seen as a blessing. It signifies a substance that nourishes us. It's a symbol of growing. Peter writes these words in 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into your salvation. I'm going somewhere, so hang with me for just a moment. What a wonderful invitation that God gives to his people. An invitation for tremendous blessings. It's the same invitation that Jesus gives to the woman at the well. Even though she didn't understand it at first, she didn't understand the invitation that she was re receiving, but then God all of a sudden revealed it to her. It's an invitation to receive God's blessings. How many here today would like to receive all of God's blessings? Yeah, I raised both my hands because I want a double portion. I think within these three verses of Isaiah 5, 55, verses 1 to 3, I, see, I think I see the pattern, the steps of receiving God's blessings. And I think the Lord employs us, implores us. In, that, in those first three verses of Isaiah 55, it says five different times to come, two different times to buy, two different times to eat, three different times to listen, and one time to delight or enjoy ourselves in God's blessings. I think when the, within these verses, the steps are really made clear for us, for each and every one of us today. The first one is this. We need to hear or listen to God's calling. Three different times, three different times in that scripture, it says, listen, turn your ear. See, don't ignore God's calling on your life. Respond to God when you sense all of a sudden His Word is speaking into your life. So many times we want to ignore God's Word. We want to ignore His calling. God says, no, 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 listen. Listen to my calling. The second thing, second step. When Jesus calls, come, follow. Take action move with Jesus. Don't pull back. Don't step out in faith. Jesus is waiting for us to respond. 
Five different times in these three verses, the Lord calls us to come. It's a pattern throughout the New Testament. When Jesus went to his disciples, he said, come, follow me. You see, it's what I shared about last week. God wants us to experience him. God desires that we need to draw near to him. Come, follow me. The third step is we need to buy. Pastor Tom, you told me salvation is free. Oh, here he goes. He's going to try to, you know, get the, get the money out of our pockets right now. You can't buy salvation. It is free. For no money is ever enough to buy your salvation. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to buy in. Judas Iscariot followed Jesus for three and a half years. But he never bought into the plan that Jesus had for his life. You see, you can attend church week after week after week, month after month after month, year after year after year, but until you're willing to buy into the plan that Jesus has for your life, guess what? You're going to continue to feel empty. You're going to continue to feel void. You're going to continue to feel, man, what am I missing? Because Jesus is waiting for you not to buy in with finances, but buy in with your entire life. At some point, you must buy in by surrendering your wants and desires to the will of the Father. Even Jesus himself surrendered his will to the Father's will. For some of you here today, maybe it's time for you to make that purchase. It won't cost you money, but it will cost you everything. There's an old hymn that states it so well. I used to sing this when I was young. All to Jesus I surrender, all to thee I freely give. I will ever love and trust you in your presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all. I'm not singing it to you because it would just ruin the whole thing. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. The fourth step, we need to eat. Two different times he talks about it in that passage of scripture. Where you have water, wine, and milk, it means that you have the blessings of God. Then you know what? You need to begin to eat. You need to eat. What do you mean, Pastor Tom? It's taking the next step from just studying about God to knowing God. It's taking that step from studying about God to all of a sudden partaking with God, partaking with Christ, and knowing who Christ is in your life. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Can you guys say that with me today? Taste and see that the Lord is good. The final step. You need to delight. You need to rejoice. Some of us are experiencing the goodness of God in our lives, but we've forgotten how to rejoice. I think God really wants us to learn how to rejoice again, to give Him praise, even through the difficult times of life. We'll have valleys. Anybody been in a valley before? Yeah. But the, the wonderful thing about the valley is that we're knowing that, guess what, there's a hilltop coming. Throughout your life, you're going to have valleys, you're going to have hilltops. Just, just it, it is what it is. 
God never promised an easy life. The Bible doesn't state that. In fact, it says, if you follow after me, it's going to be difficult at times. But in the midst of the difficulties, we can still celebrate the goodness and the wonders of God. When Paul and Silas were locked into prison for preaching God's word, and they were beaten. And it says in Scripture, around midnight, all of a sudden, they found them singing and praising. And as they're singing and praising to God, all of a sudden, this earthquake comes in and starts to shake the prison. And guess what? The doors were wide open, and the chains were, they were set free. See, for some of us today, that's a word for you. You've been following after Christ, but you still feel like you're locked up. Guess what? You need to start praising and worshiping God. When you start doing, guess what? The chains start to fall off. That, that bondage, everything. It's already, God's already forgiven you. You just need to learn to praise Him. Paul says in Philippians 4.4, I miss you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Some of you just need to say that for the rest of the day. Just fill your spirit. If we learn how to rejoice in the Lord always, then guess what? CNN, Fox News, NBC, ABC, CBS, whatever all the other news stations that you have, they would have no more effect on your life. Because we're rejoicing in the Lord. That, that hits some of you. You know what I'm talking. Hit me too. Today, I encourage you to take your step of faith. Wherever you are on your journey, respond to Jesus by saying yes. doesn't matter where you are on the journey. I encourage you today to respond to Jesus by saying yes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that your word will not return void. Your word is powerful. It is active. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that your word will once again penetrate each and every one of our hearts and our lives. We thank you for your calling, Lord. We thank you that you're close, closer than we can even understand. That's the one song, you're closer than even our skin that is on us. You're a part of us. We love you, Lord. For some of you here today, with every head bowed, eyes closed. You've been hearing the voice of God, but you've never made the choice to follow Him. You've been feeling that tug in your life, but you've never just stepped out in faith and said, you know what? Today I'm going to follow Jesus. And man, you couldn't do anything greater today because the Word of God says today is a day of salvation. The best day of salvation is today. The best time for salvation is today. You can't, don't delay, just choose to follow. I wasn't going to have people raise their hands. Man, I'm old school, and I feel like I just need to ask people to raise their hands. And if you're watching us online today, man, I ask you right there in your living room, wherever you might be, in the kitchen, in the car, whatever you might be. If that's you today, you say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but I do want to say a prayer together. That's you, raise your hand real high. Everybody head bow, eyes closed. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see those hands. Praise you, Jesus. 
Will everyone say this prayer with me today? Those online, say this prayer with me as well. Lord Jesus, I hear your voice. Today I choose to follow you. Forgive me my sins. Set me free by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to do what is right. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. God good? All the time he is good. He is so faithful. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.